Welcome to the Gifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Online Program, which teaches you how to turn your story into a successful speaking and online coaching business. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Allie Rothrock. She is CEO and lead instructor of On the Job and Off. Allie, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So we're coming on almost 1,000 episodes in the last two and a half years, and there's only a few times I've said, maybe a few dozen or maybe even less than 10 that I can say, I've never met someone and fill in the blank. And in your case, I've never met a, a female firefighter. So <laughs> tell us what your journey was to get to where you are now relative to your passion and desire to be a firefighter. Absolutely. So. I started in the volunteer fire service in Pennsylvania in America when I was 16 years old. I was a junior in high school and everyone, I mean, no one was as surprised as I was when firefighting stumbled into my life. I don't have anyone in my family that's a firefighter. It was just this thing that I think firefighting and I were always looking for each other. It was like my missing piece. And when I found it, I said, oh, this is what I want the rest of my life to be is surrounded by firefighters. And so, you know, 15 years later, I am still so happy to be involved in the emergency services. I do a lot in the emergency services in terms of I'm a crisis counselor for first responders. I do a lot in the first responder realm. And the biggest thing is that I founded and run On the Job and Off, which is an online platform dedicated to building more resilient first responders. And what caused me to start on the job and off, I can draw a direct line from this company all the way back to my very, very first fire call when I was 16 years old, because that fire call was a double fatal car accident involving two children. And what was so formative for me about that experience wasn't necessarily that death and that tragedy, although of course that was impactful. What really struck me was the lack of care and the lack of resources that there were for those first responders after a call like that. And so that propelled me through lots of different experiences to start on the job and off to provide online training that's immediately available in those situations that first responders don't really have any education that's specifically tailored to them. Yeah, so let's just unpack some of this stuff because first, I, I hope everyone frankly has a passion that you have, whether they're 16, 61, or 50, but talk about why you feel you fell in love. Because again, uh, since you are a pioneering person, you fall in love because you saw all these other like manly dudes <laughs> in their fire trucks, or, or I'm just saying like, that's being kind of funny, but not really if I went to an old woman thing. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. But I'm just saying, like, what are some of the things you said when you said you fell in love? What? Like the, the truck, the excitement, the serving, the adrenaline, like tell us describe why you fell in love with it. Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to kind of pin down except to say that I loved every aspect of firefighting. I loved the unpredictable nature of it. I loved the fact that your day could just be going along like any other day and then all of a sudden some emergency happens and then that becomes the biggest part of your day. I loved the training. It was, as I always say, it was and still is my favorite way to help people. I do a lot of things, whether it's working with my psychology degree and crisis counseling, being an author, speaking, I do all of these things, but firefighting remains my absolute favorite way to help people. It's such a tangible, immediate way to have a positive presence in someone's life, whether it's just holding their hand because they're scared after something happened, whether it's 
doing CPR to try to bring somebody back to life or helping someone that was injured or that just lost their home or just lost a loved one. It's such a tangible way to immediately have a positive presence in, in people's lives. And I think that's what drew me immediately to it. And that's what has made me stay in love with it for all these years. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because the, the through line is what you're saying is it's, it's so immediate. And, and frankly, in school, I thought it was so boring because it was so not immediate. It was so, it just wasn't practical. Mm-hmm. And with what you're doing, you're learning the stuff that you can apply literally that day. And I actually took an EMT class and I remember like, it's just so great to know that you're gonna, you can learn stuff that you can actually apply like today. You can actually save someone's life. Absolutely. So going back to that yeah. same story, that first time, walk us through again, what happened how did you first react? And then from that response or feeling, then again, you created this on and off because you just like brushed through it, but it's such a traumatic thing that again, for you, it's normal perhaps because you see it or you've seen it. Right. A lot of people have not. First of all, just paint the picture and just say what happened, how you felt at the moment and then what that feeling went. Because this whole podcast is really about inspiring other people, hopefully do what they want to do in life and have that spark in their life. That's why I don't want to like move over that point because it's so important sure. and powerful. So if you wouldn't mind again, just describing that one moment again, where you responded and what happened and then what you felt and ultimately what inspired you to create what you have now. Absolutely. So it was right around Thanksgiving time. I remember in 2005 and like I said, it was my very first fire call. Being a volunteer firefighter means that we don't live at the firehouses um, like career firefighters do, like paid firefighters do. So we're at home and we have pagers that go off when there's a call or, or maybe, you know, some of us have an app on our phone now that tells us when there's a call. So my pager went off and, and again, it was the first time that had happened and I was so excited. I didn't even have my driver's license yet. So my dad <laughs> had to drive me to the firehouse. And wow. I just remember getting on the fire truck I didn't even know what type of fire truck I was on. There's different kinds of fire trucks. I didn't know anything yet. And for most people, their first fire call is something pretty uneventful. It's an automatic fire alarm. It's something that just isn't very exciting. But for me, my first call right out of the gate was this incredibly traumatic call. And I remember it was snowing and we pulled up on scene. And again, all of this is new for me. And so we pull up on scene and I didn't know anything yet. I didn't know how to do CPR yet. I didn't know the way that car accident scenes are run. I didn't understand how the police department and emergency medical workers and firefighters all work together. So I was really just observing. That's what you do when you're new. Of course, you don't want to be in the way and something like that. So they say, just stand here and watch and learn and you know, gather the information that you can. So I remember seeing them do CPR on this little girl as she sat on a stretcher. And it was the first time that I had seen anything like that. I hadn't ever seen death that up close. And of course, to someone so young. And I remember thinking very clearly, this is what firefighting can be. Thank God it's not responding to children like that every day but this is kind of the worst that firefighting can be the most traumatic the most upsetting and i remember saying to myself if you can handle this if your you first can, day <laughs> right if you can handle this and you can stomach this and you can be okay with this then you can do this job and in a weird way that really made me sort of level up and say okay this is what it can be at 16 years old can I handle this? Can I deal with this? And I remember wanting to get back to the firehouse because I wanted someone to tell me, 
so what do we do now? Like, what do we do after seeing these kids? I didn't have my hands on her doing CPR like other firefighters did. And I would just assume that there would be some natural, you know, taking care of ourselves process after something like this. And like I said earlier, it was so striking to me that there was not even an acknowledgement of what we had seen. Now there are crisis counselors that come in. I am one of those people who come in after something like that to help first responders with those initial days and those initial moments. But there wasn't anything like that back then. There wasn't anything immediately available. And so from that first call forward through the next, you know, 10, 13 years, I was just seeing more and more evidence of, you know, this chronic exposure to trauma that first responders have just as a basic part of our job. That is not acknowledged. The stigma is so real just in our society, but specifically in the emergency services, people think I am supposed to be someone who solves other people's problems. I am a fixer. I'm a problem solver. I should also be able to solve my own problems and fix my own things. And so there's a stigma that if I'm struggling after a call or I'm upset because of something that I saw, I need to keep that to myself. And that attitude is killing first responders, both through chronic health problems that stress brings and through suicide. And so seeing all of this for the, the last decade plus, I was really thinking, what can I do? And I started sharing my story of my own trauma recovery journey, experiencing sexual violence in firehouses that really shaped my worldview as a young person. I started sharing my story. And over the last 10 years, that has really progressed into speaking openly about ways to make firehouses safer, but speaking about practical mental health stuff for first responders. And I've seen most of that stuff not work because it's, it's doctors or it's psychologists that come and use big words that first responders don't know or care about. But I think why what I do works is because it's a first responder to a first responder. I am talking about your job because I do your job. And I think that makes it a lot more accessible. And so on the job and off, Dot com is the company that I run now, and we have courses up that are directly related to experiences that either I had or first responders that I know had. So we address things like vicarious trauma, acute stress, post-traumatic stress disorder. We address addiction and things like that. So that first call, like I said, I can draw a direct line from those experiences to what I do now because I really wanted to help fill the gap that I saw in the resources and education that was available for first responders mental health. No, that's great, Ali. Again, I really, really admire your, your passion and your, your pioneering mindset. And what's one thing you might encourage us? As I said to you before, where I, I have this term where true friends are like firefighters, they run in when everyone runs out. And most people just from our amygdala in our brain, when you see something that happens, you run. And mm -hmm. you call 911, but in your case, you guys run to it. You guys and gals run to it. So right. what's the one thing we can all do to train ourselves to just be mindful? Look, things are going to happen in life unless, whether it's in your case, the first time you see someone die, but everyone's going to experience death. And that's just reality. So for you, is there something that you can share with us as non-first responder individuals to say, hey, look, whatever happens, fill in the blank. What, what might you sure. say for us to perhaps help or prepare us? Right. I mean, I think it would be a couple things. First and foremost, if it's anything that I've learned in my time, it's that you are always tougher than you think you are. You are always tougher and more resilient than you think you are. And for most of us, 
we don't learn how tough and how resilient we are until we have to prove it to ourselves until something, some adversity crosses our life path and we have to make a decision. Am I going to overcome this or am I going to sink down into it? And so my first thing would be is that you are always tougher than you think you are. The second thing would be know your support system and don't try to do anything alone. We are so good at saying I am fine. We are so good at deflecting our struggles away because we always think that someone has it worse, which is true, but that doesn't negate what we're feeling. So I would say, know your support systems, know them now. Don't try to figure out who am I going to call? Who can I talk to when you are struggling at a time when we're not thinking the most clearly? So I'd say know who those people are that you can call, that you can lean on. And going with that is don't try to do stuff alone. That isolation becomes a negative coping skill when we're really, really struggling. And I think the best thing that I ever did when I was struggling was let other people be in that struggle with me, whether it was a loved one, whether it was, you know, a therapist, whatever, but letting yourself see that you are worthy of help of getting better and that there are better days ahead. So it would just be, you are so much tougher than you think you are and don't do it alone. Allie, thank you so much for bringing your toughness and awareness to our podcast listeners. How can our guests stay in touch with you and, and read your books? Absolutely. So my first book is called Where Hope Lives. You can find that on Amazon or on my website, which is AllieWRothrock.com. If you want to know more about On the Job and Off, you can go to OnTheJobAndOff.com. I can also be reached at Allie, that's A-L-I, at OnTheJobAndOff.com. And I'm Allie Rothrock on all social media platforms. Great, Allie. Thanks again. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Gifters Podcast. If you want to learn how to turn your story into a successful speaking and online coaching business, go to ChristopherKai.com to learn more.